Hello and welcome to the Forward Progress Football Podcast, episode 25. I am your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to be continuing our Who Are They series with the second team in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. Let's get on into it. Alright, so in case you're new here, first off, hit that subscribe button whether you're on YouTube, Apple, um, Spotify, wherever you're finding this, follow along. And if you are on YouTube, leave a like, comment. If you're on Apple or Spotify, leave a five-star review. It really helps me get the spread out. Um, and what we do in this series is I go over each team position by position and just talk about the current state of the roster, what I think of it, and some questions that I want answered maybe throughout the season. Um, additionally, at the end, I will do a season projection where I'll talk about their pessimistic and optimistic um season outlooks as well as their floor and ceiling talk about their biggest over under win total whether or not i think either is a good bet and then their biggest strength and weakness at the end of this whole series i'm going to be doing my season prediction where i will be giving my official win totals for each team as well as a playoff prediction and a season award prediction all right with all that out of the way let's get on into the indianapolis colts So we're going to start things off with quarterbacks, as always, with Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, and Jack Cohn. So for the first time since 2010, Matt Ryan failed to eclipse 4,000 yards. He also had 20 touchdowns, his lowest since his rookie season in 2008. This was also his first year without Julio Jones since Julio was drafted, though. So got to keep that in mind. Matt Ryan still had flashes of his old self last year, like his four-touchdown game against Washington. So his surrounding situation now in Indianapolis should be much better with a superior offensive line, pass catchers, and running back. Hopefully this change of scenery can help Ryan turn back the clock a few years and look maybe even top 10-ish again. Other than his miraculous 2017 playoff run and then other occasional flashes of brilliance, Nick Foles has provided backup-level play throughout his career. However, that high end is in there, so that is kind of nice to have as just in case if um, Ryan gets hurt injured. Additionally, he worked that 2017 magical playoff run under the Colts' current head coach, Frank Reich, when he was the offensive coordinator in Philly. Ellinger was drafted in the 6th last year and didn't see... Um, any action he's likely a career backup type and then cone is a udfa from this class so for running backs they have jonathan taylor naheem hines philip Lindsay, Deion jackson tyson williams cj verdell and Devonte price jonathan taylor firmly put his name in the best running back conversation with the 1800 yard and 18 touchdowns on the ground and 360 more yards and two touchdowns of the year. His combination of speed and power make him difficult to bring down, and if he can continue this early success, he should be a running back who can make a significant difference for the squad. Himes is a great complimentary back, totaling 100 receptions and 1,000 air yards over these last two seasons to also go along with 600 ground yards. He'll help be a change of pace back at 5'9", 198, and be a valuable asset in the passing game. Lindsay exploded onto the scene as an undrafted rookie in 2018 with Denver, topping 1,000 yards in each of his first two seasons. 
However, in year three, he was phased out and spent last year splitting time in Houston and Miami. Turning 28 soon, he should still have some gas in the tank, but I'm worried his best play is already behind him. Jackson won undrafted last year and took a handful of snaps as a backup power back. Tyson Williams started the first couple games for a depleted Ravens team, but was pushed down the depth chart after a few games in favor of veterans. The third-year undrafted player now hopes to find some playing time in a pretty loaded Colts backfield. And then Verdell and Price are both UDFAs from this class. For wide receiver, they have Michael Pittman Jr., Alex Pierce, Paris Campbell, Michael Strachan, Desmond Patton, Ashton Dolan, Kiki Kuti, DeMichael Harris, Samson Nakua, Kekoa Crawford, Ethan Fernia, and Michael Young Jr. So Pittman topped 1,000 yards last season, which was just the second in the league. At 6'4", 220, he was able to post a 64% contested catch percentage, which will likely be his calling card throughout his career. He only had two 100-yard games, though, and one multi-touchdown game, so I wouldn't really call him a true number one yet, but he does have that upside, but at worst, I think he's going to be a good number two piece. Pierce was drafted in the second round this year and should be a good deep threat at the next level with 4-4 speed at 6-3. He wasn't insanely productive coming from Cincinnati, though, having 873 yards and eight touchdowns in his final season. He seems like he'll be a one-trick pony at least early on in his career, but that one trick, his speed threat, does provide a lot of value. Campbell looked like a great speed threat coming out of Ohio State in 2019. However, the second rounder was never able to stay healthy as he missed plenty of games every year in his career. He's a complete unknown at this point, and if he can play, he would likely be great for them in the slot, but he's missed so much development time that even if he can't stay on the field, will he be as good as we once expected him? Strachan was drafted in the 7th last year and only played a handful of snaps, providing another big body at 6'5", 220. Patman was drafted in the 6th back in 2020 and has also hardly played so far. Dolan went undrafted in 2019 and had his most productive season last year, falling a bit short of 200 yards. Kuti seemed to be improving over his first three years as a slot receiver for the Texans, but was waived and then hardly saw the field for the Colts last season. As a team without an established slot, there's a chance here for Kuti to reassert himself. DeMichael Harris also has a chance to win the slot role as a third-year undrafted player who hasn't played much. Nakua, Crawford, Fernier, and Young Jr. are all UDFAs from this class. At tight end, they have Mo Alley-Cox, Jelani Woods, Kylan Granson, Andrew Ogletree, Michael Jacobson, and Nikola Kalinick. With Jack Doyle's retirement, they'll likely need more out of Alley-Cox, who has been the tight end 1B for this team for the last couple of seasons. Cox went undrafted in 2017 as a former basketball player, so it took him some time to learn the sport. However, you can see he has all the tools, so will he be able to put it now all together at age 29, or is it just going to be clicking too late for him? Woods is an intriguing rookie, drafted in third this year out of Virginia Tech. At 6'7", 250 with 4'6 speed, he showed that last year he can be a legit receiving threat, falling just short of 600 yards to go along with 8 touchdowns. His previous college years saw him used more as a blocking tight end, getting around 100 yards each season. 
He'll be turning 24 in October, so a bit older for a rookie, but he does have some solid upside. Grantson is a lighter tight end drafted in the 4th round of 2021. His rookie season saw him used a lot as a blocker despite his lighter size, having only 100 yards on the season and finishing with more snaps as a run or a pass blocker than as a receiver. Many saw him as like this H-back type coming out, but he only saw 15 backfield snaps last year. With the drafting of Woods, it'll be interesting to see if he is moved in the backfield more with no true fullback on this roster. Ogletree was drafted in the 6th round this year out of Youngstown State. And Jacobson went undrafted last year and didn't get any playing time. And Kalinick went undrafted this year coming out of Canada. Along their offensive line, they have Bernard Raymond, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Danny Pinter, and Braden Smith projected to start with Matt Pryor, Ryan Van Denmark, Carter O'Donnell, Dennis Kelly, Brandon Kemp, and Jordan Murray backing up a tackle, Jason Spriggs, Josh Seltzner, and Will Fries backing up at guard, and Wesley French backing up at center. Raymond only played tackle for two years in college after coming over from Austria to play tight end. The 6'6", 330-pound third-round pick will be turning 25 midseason, but the development that he has shown so far while playing at Central Michigan provides some hope that he can keep developing fast now that he's in the NFL. He does not have the starting gig locked up, though, but I expect him to win it by the time the season starts. Pryor has been a 6 lineman plug-and-play starter with Philly and then with the Colts again last year. He made starts at right tackle, left tackle, and right guard last year and looked pretty good doing so, giving up only 8 pressures over 241 pass-blocking snaps and helped pay the, pave the way for Jonathan Taylor. If Raymond isn't ready to start as a rookie or Pinter as a third-year right guard, Pryor has shown that he can provide starter-level play, or even potentially better. He also won't be turning 28 until December, so he should still have plenty of good years left in him. Van Denmark is a UDFA from this class, and O'Donnell went undrafted in 2020 but hasn't played yet. Quentin Nelson is one of the best offensive linemen since stepping into the league as the 6th overall pick back in 2018. According to PFF, Nelson has the highest war, or wins above the replacement, of any offensive lineman, including tackles which is crazy because guards are normally a much less valuable position. Over his four years, Nelson has surrendered 73 pressures, his most coming his rookie season with 23. To put that in perspective, rookie Alex Leatherwood with the Raiders gave up the most pressures as a guard last year who, he also did play a couple games at tackle, but he still surrendered 65 alone in that one season. There were 36 guards who surrendered more than 23 pressures last year, and only 2 who surrendered less than 15, Nelson's total from last year, with a minimum of 400 snaps. He also is an absolute people mover, and a big reason why JT and this running attack has been as potent as it is. He's the best guard in the league, and at only 26, he should remain that way for years. Spriggs was a second-round pick for Green Bay back in 2016, but could never find his footing at guard or tackle. Over the past few years, he's bounced around as a backup tackle, but is listed now as a backup guard on this depth chart. He should provide some flexibility, but only at, like, backup of play. And then Seltzner is a UDFA from this class.
Kelly has been a solid starter and even a Pro Bowl caliber center since being drafted in the first round back in 2016, but he did have a bit of a down year last year. Hopefully it was just a weird season where he did struggle with injuries and he can bounce back, but it is possible that he is just beginning to lose a step earlier than most at age 29 now. French is an undrafted free agent from this season. Pinter saw some starts at center last year for the injured Ryan Curley, and he played pretty decently for a second-year player drafted in the fifth round. With a departure of Glowinski this offseason, Pinter has a chance to start in year three, so it'll be interesting to see if he can take the next step here at right guard. Fries was drafted in the seventh last year and saw a handful of snaps in relief, but didn't really play too much. Smith was a guard in college, drafted in the second round back in 2018, and instantly won the right tackle job. Since then, he has not looked back, and he has quietly been a top five starting right tackle since then. Kelly has been a solid swing tackle for years now for various teams, even starting all of 2020 for Tennessee at right tackle. He doesn't provide necessarily high-end tackle play, but some solid replacement level stuff and is good depth piece to have in case of injury. Kemp went undrafted in 2020 and hasn't played yet, and Murray is a UDFA from this season. Along their interior defensive line, they have DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Curtis Brooks, Eric Johnson, RJ McIntosh, Chris Williams, and Kavion Patton. Buckner has been a consistent force as an interior pass rusher, getting around 50 pressures every season since being drafted in the first by the Niners back in 2016. Doing most of his damage from 3-5 to five tech, he should continue to be one of the best interior linemen in the league. Stewart is a big-bodied nose tackle. At 330 pounds, he's excellent against the run and is powerful enough to be a pocket pusher and be effective in the pass game. A great compliment to Buckner. Johnson is a 5th round rookie out of Missouri State, and Brooks is a 6th round rookie out of Cincinnati, who could both see a lot of playing time in year 1 after these first two guys because there isn't really a whole lot of depth. McIntosh was drafted in the 5th round back in 2018 by the Giants, but hasn't gotten playing time since 2019 and has bounced around the league on practice squad since then. Williams went undrafted in 2020 and appeared in a handful of games last year, but didn't make much of an impact, and Patton is a UDFA this season. For edge defenders, they have Quiddy Pei, Yannick Ngakwe, Taekwon Lewis, Theo Odayingbo, Ben Banigou, Ifiadi Odayingbo, Brian Cox, Cameron Klein, and Patchen Scott. Quidipe had a pretty decent rookie season, finishing with 39 pressures and 5 sacks. However, as a first round pick, you want to see more from him. Bringing in Ngakwe should help relieve some pressure off of him, so hopefully he can take that next step in year 2. Ngakwe has been a great pass rusher since being drafted in the 3rd round by the Jags back in 2016. After contract disputes and being traded twice in 2020, he got his footing back with the Raiders last year, finishing with 62 pressures and 10 sacks. He has been his best as a complimentary pass rusher, playing with Crosby last year and Calais Campbell back in Jacksonville. So hopefully Pay can be more of a true number one at this year, but either way he should be a valuable asset for this defensive line 
at least against the pass, he's not really good against the run. Lewis has been a decent pass rusher in four years with the Colts. Maybe not what you hoped for as a second round pick, but not terrible by any means. Last year, he was off to his best start before getting injured, having 20 pressures and 3 sacks in half the season. He should see significant snaps this season in the rotation, so look for him to capitalize on those opportunities. Odeyingbo was drafted in the second round last year. He missed the beginning of the season with injuries, but flashed some potential as an inside-outside type of pass rusher. Hopefully, a fully healthy offseason under his belt, he can look better in year two. Banigou was drafted in the second round back in 2019, but hasn't seen the field much so far. He saw most of his snaps as a rookie and finished with three sacks that year, but he hasn't had one since. It's looking like he's on his way out of Indy. Odenigbo was drafted in the seventh round back in 2017 and hasn't done too much other than a 2020 campaign that saw him with 42 pressures and four sacks with Minnesota. Last year with Cleveland, he saw the field much less and was almost a non-factor out there. Cox has bounced around the league since going undrafted in 2017, not really doing too much yet. Klein went undrafted in 2020 and has hardly played yet, and Scott is a UDFA from this season. So for linebacker, they have Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, EJ Speed, Zaire Franklin, Brandon King, Jojo Doman, Sterling Weatherford, James Skalski, and Forrest Ryan. So Darius Leonard is one of the few linebackers who can be a true difference maker. Linebacker is one of the hardest positions to play as modern offenses are constantly attacking them, forcing them to get out of position through play action and complex route patterns. Leonard excels at everything you need as a modern linebacker though. At 6'2", 230, he's a bit smaller and only has 4'7 speed, but he is still great in coverage, with 11 interceptions throughout his 4-year career so far. He is also great against the run, despite his size, and has mastered the peanut punch, forcing 7 fumbles last year. He's also a good blitzing linebacker when called upon, getting a pressure on 23% of his pass rush snaps throughout his career. Okereke is a solid running mate for Leonard, having much more run stops than Leonard, but not being quite as good in coverage or at forcing turnovers. Speed was drafted in the 5th round by the Colts in 2019, but hasn't seen the field much. This is a thin linebacking room though, so he should see a lot of action as the third linebacker this year. Franklin will also be competing for that third linebacker spot. The 2017 7th round pick got extended this offseason for his work as a special teams captain, but he also saw more defensive snaps than ever last year, mostly in run defense. King has been a special teams player for the Patriots since going undrafted in 2015. And then Doman, Weatherford, Skalaski, and Ryan are all undrafted free agents from this season. And I think bringing in four guys to compete like this speaks to this team's lack of trust in their, in their depth. So for cornerbacks, they have Stephon Gilmore, Isaiah Rogers, Kenny Moore II, Brandon Faison, Rodney Thompson II, Tony Brown, Chris Wilcox, Marvell Tell III, Alexander Myers, Anthony Chelsea, Marcel Debo and Dallas Flowers. The 2019 NFL Defensive Player of the Year was traded to the Panthers after missing the beginning of the season with injuries. 
When he got back on the field, he gave up more than 50 yards in a game only once, and that was against Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, which is impressive as he's coming off injuries and entering a new scheme. If he can't stay healthy, he should have the ability of a number one cornerback still, even if his play isn't as high as it used to be. Rodgers is a speedy third-year corner drafted in the sixth round in 2020. He's smaller at 5'10", 170, but he makes up for his lack of size with his quickness. He earned a lot of reps on the outside last year and should be a starter this year. He's got high upside, and now this year he has a chance to achieve it. Moore went undrafted in 2017, but quickly showed that was a mistake. He's one of the top slot corners in the league despite his 5'9 stature, and in Gus Bradley's system, which seems to always make slot guys shine, Moore should excel here. Faison was picked up last year by the Raiders midseason and saw a lot of playing time due to injuries ahead of him and the whole Damon on that saga. He didn't play incredibly in his first season as a starter, but Bradley clearly trusts him, bringing him from the Chargers to the Raiders and now here to Indy. He probably won't play much unless there's injuries, but you could, could definitely do worse for depth. Thomas was drafted in the 7th round this year out of Yale. Brown went undrafted in 2018 but hasn't seen too many defensive snaps yet in his career. Wilcox was drafted in the 7th last year by Tampa but didn't play at all. Tell was drafted in the 5th round by the Colts in 2019 but hasn't seen snaps since his rookie season. Myers went undrafted in 2019 but hasn't seen many defensive snaps yet. Chelsea went undrafted in 2019 and saw some snaps last year for the first time and didn't really look terrible in coverage. And then Dabo and Flowers are both undrafted free agents from this season. So for safeties, they have Julian Blackman, Rodney McLeod, Armani Watts, Nick Cross, Will Redman, and Trevor Denbow. Blackman was drafted in the third round of the 2020 draft and instantly replaced former first rounder Malik Coker. He missed much of last season with injuries, but when he has been out there, he has been a great safety. So far, not being credited with a touchdown allowed throughout a season and a half. McLeod has been a solid free safety with the Rams and Eagles since going undrafted back in 2012. It'll be interesting to see how he is used with Blackman, though, as both have been the high safety so far in their career, and Bradley loves to run his single high cover three. Watts was drafted in the fourth round in 2018 by the Chiefs, but never saw significant playing time there. He should be able to carve out a role here, though, as a third safety. Cross will also compete for the third safety spot, with the idea that maybe he'll be Blackman's long-term running mate. The third round pick out of Maryland has elite speed while still being 6 foot 212. If he gets good coaching, he should be good both over top and as a box, and that versatility should be a fun piece for a defensive coordinator to take advantage of. Redman was drafted in the third round by the Niners back in 2016, but has struggled with injuries. When he does play, he has seen most of his snaps as a nickel. Denbo is an undrafted free agent from this year's class. For special teams, they have Rodrigo Blankenship and Jake Verity at kicker, Rigoberto Sanchez at punter, and Luke Rhodes at long snapper. Blankenship looked good as a rookie, hitting 86% of his field goals, but last year he struggled, only hitting 78% before getting injured. 
Verity was brought on this year after going undrafted last year to help push for the job. Sanchez has been a solid punter for Indy since going undrafted in 2017, and Rhodes has been this team's long snapper since going undrafted in 2016. Now it's time to get into my season projection where I talk about this team's floor and ceiling, um, things that can go wrong in the season, things that can go right, their Vegas over-under win total, whether I think it's a good bet, as well as their biggest strength and biggest weakness. So I see the floor of this team as about a 7-win team. Um, they're a well-coached unit with a veteran quarterback, so I don't, don't think that they can go too, too poorly. Um, but some things that can go wrong is Matt Ryan, he could continue to regress. Um, just simply, he could be past his prime. These running backs, they can't elevate the offense by themselves. Pittman is the only viable receiver out there, and even he doesn't quite look like a number one. Ali Cox struggles as the number one tight end, and Woods can't come in and provide this high-level play right away. The left tackle and right guard could be a serious problem for this offensive line. This interior defensive line should be fine, but the edges could really struggle with Payne not really taking that next step and Ngakwe not being able to do it all himself. These linebackers should be fine, but it is tough for a linebacker to be a true difference maker on defense. Gilmore, he could continue his regression and Rodgers could be unable to step up now as a full-time starter. Blackman could struggle coming back from injuries and McLeod could start looking old out there as he's getting up there in age. Optimistically though, I definitely could see this team winning the division at 12 and 5. Um, some of the things that can go right is Ryan being able to turn back the clock a bit and a much better surrounding situation. JT continues to be an incredible value at running back and Hines adds a lot of value as a pass catcher. Pittman takes that leap in year three and starts to look like a real number one receiver and Pierce is able to be a plug-and-play number two as a rookie with Campbell staying healthy and playing well in the slot. Ali Cox realizes his potential at tight end and Woods is a good complement there. Some combination of Bernard Raymond, Matt Pryor, and Danny Pinter help plug the role at left tackle and right guard. Pay, he takes a step up in year two, making this whole pass rush unit absolutely nasty. Leonard and Okereke continue to be a great linebacking duo. Gilmore, he still provides high-level um, play at cornerback, and Rodgers looks great now as a starter. And then Blackman fully bounces back from injury, and him and McLeod make a solid duo. So their over-under is set at 9.5, and, and I do think this one is a tough line, but I would lean the over. With Matt Ryan coming in, I could definitely see them winning the division, um, they won nine games last year with Carson Wentz, and outside of quarterback, I just feel like this team also got better just all around. This biggest strength, I'd say, is their offensive line. Um, this offensive line allows the whole offense to work, and despite two positions being replaced, I think this unit should still be pretty elite. They'll give Ryan enough time to make a sandwich before hitting his receivers and create holes large enough to drive a semi behind Nelson for Jonathan Taylor and this run game. Um, their biggest weakness I put as pass catchers. These receivers could be disgustingly bad, and they're the main thing that gave me pause about this team. Pittman had a good sophomore campaign, but still needs to prove that he is a true number one. Pierce, he's a rookie, and he wasn't the most productive in college despite playing with a top talent at QB in a group of five school. 
Campbell has struggled staying healthy, and everyone else after that is a question mark due to lack of experience. Additionally, Mo Ali Cox has yet to be the guy, which he will be asked to do this season, and Woods, he's also a rookie, so it's tough to see him stepping in right away and being productive. Julio Jones is still a free agent, and I think it would make so much sense for him to reunite here with Ryan, but until he does, this group just honestly scares me and is the thing giving me pause about putting them above the Titans. Alright, so that's going to be it for this episode. If you liked it, leave a like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Uh, leave a five-star review if you're on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to this. If you didn't like it, go tell me below what, what don't you like, what do you think I can improve upon. And until next time, I'll see you guys later.